the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast, special edition of the Spot Track Podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Theathletic.com, cranking out tons of sports news, even in a time when there's absolutely no sports. Uh, I give these guys and gals a lot of credit. <laughs> this has got to be a, a tough sledding right now. And every time I go there every morning, it's, it's habitual. I'm going there every morning anyway. Uh, there's always something interesting that piques my interest and makes me want to read. So all credit to them for cranking this out in this tough time. But most likely from home with kids running around in the background, it's got to be difficult to do what they're doing right now. Um, and it pales in comparison to how big this thing is getting and how long this is probably going to last. So stick with them. Stick with theathletic.com. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your yearly subscription. That's $2.99 a month to keep these people writing great content. Okay, this is our very first special edition of this idea, I guess we can call it. I'm going to bring in Scott Allen, um, our resident guru here generally on the NBA side, but we're going to bring in a, a special series here with this lack of sports to discuss. And uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take, I don't know, maybe 10. 10 seems like a good number to start with. 10, uh, 10 athletes across maybe just the big four sports. Maybe we'll branch out a little deeper. We haven't totally decided this out yet. And we're just going to break down their their financial life in terms of their on-court, on-field earnings, um, how the contracts break down, when they change teams, how it all works, trades, things like that. Just the, their life cycle as an athlete and how it relates to the financials. Uh, it's pretty much what we do on a daily basis anyway. So it's kind of neat to be able to get in front of a microphone and talk about this specifically with certain athletes. And who better to start with than Alex Rodriguez, who in terms of spot tracks that is the leader in the clubhouse of career earnings and Gigantic contracts, back to back. He's got it all. Suspensions. He's the uh, he's kind of the poster child for the spot track resume. So we've got to start there. Let's bring in Scott right now. He did a large chunk of the research for this, not just obviously looking at the contracts that we've got on the site, but bringing in some stats, some some rankings. Um, uh, we've got a little bit. A little bit. I hope this is enjoyable. This is this is cool for me. I geek out on this stuff. So I hope many of you out there do as well, because we're going to stick with this and try to make this a once a week type thing. Um, but like I said, it just seemed natural to start with A-Rod, right, Scott? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, when you look at how much he has earned over the career in Major League Baseball, not even counting what he's doing right now, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, we can start at the beginning and we will, but just to give a uh, an overall general thought of how his career went, for, for a guy like me who was kind of diving into this contract stuff 10, 12 years ago now, having A-Rod <laughs> was like an education in itself because he, so many different factors came in, right? The opt-out, uh, the crazy trades, the, the deferred money, the suspension. Um, I, I just found myself having to relearn and learn and learn how this stuff works on, on a, such a specific basis with him because he had so many caveats built into everything. Um, which you can understand, he's a pretty complex dude, <laughs> you know, post baseball, a rod is pretty likable, pretty easy to get involved with, pretty easy to listen to, pretty easy to watch. Um, so, you know, the hell that he kind of put his, his fans and, and whatnot through <laughs> his teammates, his front offices through, uh, it, he's at least paying that back to a decent degree now in his second life, but let's get into it. Um, 18 year old kid born in New York city. 
transplants to Dominican Republic, then lands in Miami where he, he grows up. I mean, he's a, he's a school age kid in Miami goes right through to a, a Christian Academy high school. And that's where baseball finds him. And by the way, and I, I thought this was very interesting. I did not know this. Also a star quarterback who was recruited by the university of Miami in his hometown there. Mm. Uh, probably could have played there, which is that says something, right? This this is a multi-sport guy. Skipped college completely because uh, you know the Seattle Mariners came calling for him at 18 years old, and the rest is history. But I mean, football has kind of been better in his life. The reason he wore number 13 his whole career, Dan Marino. Wow. Yeah. So this was a, this was a, a football mind and a baseball body to to, to to be frank here. And just looking at the numbers, he obviously made the right choice. Because there were no football players in 1993 that were going to make $400 million. That's just, that's life in the fast lane right there. So from a financial standpoint, he certainly made the right decision. Um, let's jump to the end. I want to get your thoughts on this. Sure. One World Series ring for him, Scott. Mm-hmm. And we know he's not going to the hall, right? Because of the PEDs, which we're going to try to limit our discussions on here. We're going to try to keep this short and sweet and more impactful to the data than it is the... Uh, you know, the negatives, but you know, who is he? Uh, you know, <laughs> as I was doing the research and looking at these stats, I mean, it, it, it's phenomenal to look back at how many all-stars he had, the three MVPs, you know, it, it's a shame that those Yankee teams only had that one world series that he had in 2009. I mean, it, it's really hard to blame him for anything, right? So, so if mm-hmm. the idea, if, if the idea is, is I'm sitting here looking for you to say he wasn't as good as the numbers say, I don't want that because he can be as good as the numbers say. And yeah. there's just not enough players around him or not enough talent or not enough luck. Let's be frank. Baseball needs, you need some luck in baseball uh, that things just didn't go his way. If Mike Trout never wins a world series, are we going to say he sucked? No. Mike Trout's no. the greatest player of our generation, and nothing's going to change that. Uh, so that's the that's the way I look at A-Rod to some degree, that the numbers just speak for themselves. You can step away and walk away just looking at the stats and say, all right, whatever this guy made, he earned, right? But there's a lot of people that live and die by World Series rings. They and do. He just flat out doesn't have many, right? He's got one. Uh, he was on a couple of teams that probably could have got it done, and like I said, the balls just didn't bounce the right way. But... I don't know. It's. I wish this guy had more, more rings to go with this resume because these are the kind of players you want to see win, right? Like, I mean, Mike Trout's in that boat for me. I'm dying for the Angels to get it right over there because, you know, I don't want to have to talk about Mike Trout in this kind of light. That one playoff appearance and his playoff yeah. stats stink because, you know, he didn't have the repetition to get that done. That's that's A Rod's life. So later in his career, when when he did get to the Yankees you can kind of understand why he wasn't mashing the ball out of the park every at bat in the postseason. You know, he's in his thirties. He hadn't really been in that spotlight before, you know, outside of a couple of good Seattle teams way earlier, but the move to Texas really didn't work out. Right? No, it didn't. Yeah. So it's just, it's an interesting kind of cloud hanging over this whole discussion about a rod, because like I said, a lot of people really judge, players and greatness by championships. And if you do that with A-Rod, you're not going to get too far. Uh, no, you won't. But you can judge him by money. 
and he can hold up any any candles to that conversation. I can tell you that right now. Scott, what's the overall number, including what he's going to make this year and his last year of being paid by the Yankees? Yeah, four hundred and fifty-five million plus. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, is there a basketball player that's kind of close to that? Uh, Garnett's up in the three hundreds. There's, I think Garnett's at like three twenty-four. I'd have to double check. Is but, he still the leader no. in the clubhouse in the NBA? LeBron yeah, hasn't he, passed him yet. No. Okay. Wow. No. It's it's uh Is anyone getting the 400? Can staff get the 400? Possibly some of these guys with the big big extensions at the end here yeah. um and it's it's possible. Um I don't I don't know if we'll get to that point um but because I just I can't imagine a football player doing it. I mean, I know Mahomes is about to cash in. But even if he makes $150 million fully guaranteed in this contract, and he gets another one, right? He's still not A-Rod. He's still right. not here. So Yeah, Gar- Garnett's at 334. Kobe is at 323. LeBron's at 306. Okay, so LeBron's got about two, more, two and a half more years to get this thing done, huh? Mm-hmm. So that's a maybe. That's, a, that's not even a guarantee because he's only signed for two more years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he would need another 150 million to get up into A Rod talk. So A Rod's in his own class in terms yeah, of the big is. in terms of the big four sports. I mean, what he yeah. did in back to back contracts, and let's start to break it down here. It's just it's astronomical. We'll never see it again. No, we won't. We'll never I mean, see it again. And, and the reason we know that Scott is because of what we just saw with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Those guys sign contracts for life. They're done. That's it. There's not going to be another version of Bryce Harper's $330 million contract. He's done. Uh, and A-Rod did it twice. <laughs> and he did it ten year, He did 15 years ago is what he did it. Uh, so it's just not going to happen. The game has gotten more efficient. G- uh, front offices have gotten smarter. They understand that the windows are four years, not 10, which is what the, the Rangers were banking on, that they, that they had this superstar for 10 years, and they were going to be great for 10 years. And we know that wasn't the case. So... You know, it was it was deals like these that opened up a lot of eyeballs and said, "Holy cow!" Like we're, you know, we're 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 playing armchair GM right now with these contracts, and it's killing not only our payrolls but our, our franchises. I mean, we're just you can't unless these guys can carry teams, and in this sport, it's just not possible. Um, you know, it's just not worth the price of admission. So, yeah, let's get let's get through it. He gets drafted number one overall in 1993. On uh, just a couple of tidbits here. He uh, he he signed his major league contract right away, and a, a couple months later, and that just wasn't happening back in the day. There, I think there were f- only five other number one picks since 1965 that actually went from the number one pick right into a major league contract. So not only was it not happening to, for 18 year olds, which is what he was, but it wasn't happening for anyone who was drafted number one overall. Uh, so that's how good he was, and that's how much Seattle valued him right out of the gate. Uh, he was the, and then when he did get to the show right away in '94, he was only the third shortstop, 18 years or younger, to ever reach Major League Baseball. Wow! Uh, and it was kind of the uh, the start of a lot, a lot of that, right? He was kind of the poster child for teams saying, "What are we waiting for? If these kids are really as athletic and talented as we think they are, you know, Frankie Lindors and Manny Machado's, let's get them in now and." Uh, you know, if they're going to bat 240 for a couple of years, we'll deal with that while they figure it all out here. But he was sort of the, uh, like I said, the, the, the pioneer for the, in, in Seattle with them saying, we're not waiting for a thing. We got this kid. We want him. 
we want to link him up with Griffey and go right now. So, um, yeah, he yeah. he was expected to be great right away at 18 years old in Seattle on a, on a team that was ready for, ready to win. By the way, I mean that if you remember anything about those Seattle teams, uh, that w- those were some uh, s- some just burners. I mean, they had power. Jay Buhner, Ken Griffey. They, I mean, they could hit. Edgar Martinez was the best hitter in mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah. Um, and of course, the Randy Johnson era was legendary. So this was a team that was ready for a superstar. And he was the, maybe the fourth best player in that team when he got there, which is pretty cool when you think about an 18-year-old number one overall pick. And he's not being relied on to be the, the face of the franchise. He's just got to come in and produce with the superstars around him. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like that's how Golden State's going to be this year, <laughs> right? They're going to draft some kid in the top three. <laughs> And they're going to be like, hey, come come over here and hang out with Steph and Clay and Draymond for a little bit and, and get your feet wet. And then in two years, you can take over the team, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. It's, I can't yeah. have to get off on a tangent, but I just keep thinking about that at the back of my head. Like, they are so but, set up. Yeah, you, you make a great point because, I mean, his first two years, his stats didn't light, the, light any fires. But that year three, he really exploded. Uh, exactly. It, you got to think that's how they wanted it to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he get he was an all star. He was second in MVP, and he was a silver slugger in that year three. And then he he was uh, his batting average was three twenty five, uh, or sorry, the average was three twenty five. But over that three year span of that entry level contract, but that third year he hit three fifty eight. That's back when batting average actually mattered. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you could see th- that was the start of a string of multiple all-stars mvp votes yeah how many scott do you have the numbers right there uh he ended up having uh 14 all-stars total 14 all-stars three mvps 10 silver slugger Mm. a a batting title yeah it's pretty incredible he did it all he did it all and you can say the uh you know you can say the steroids had an impact and there's no question but the guy could just flat out play baseball (laughs) You know, and okay. if you can separate those two things, uh, you know, you can you can get yourself to a pretty good place with this guy because starting at age 18, being thrown into the fire a little bit here and producing, like you said, by year three at an MVP level, that's that's the stuff you dream of. You know, a 20 year old kid who's an MVP level major league baseball player. That's that's the stuff you dream of as a kid. So I got to give him credit for being able to handle all that that early. And obviously he made some decisions that were questionable a- after that point. But Let's talk about the, the contracts here. That, that initial contract was three years, $1.3 million. That was his rookie deal, essentially. Like, like, like I said, that was rare. Generally, you got about a $200,000 bonus. You sat in AAA or AA for a couple of years, and you figured it out and got your feet wet, and then you made the leap forward and signed yourself a couple of pre-arbitration contracts. Uh, they said, no, thank you. We're bringing you right up on a deal. And we've seen that quite a lot, right? The Acunas and the... Mm-hmm. And the LBs and the Eloy Jimenezes and, and all the young kids now are doing it, you know, except for my guy, Pete. But you know, I'm holding out. I'm holding out that Pete knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this was, like I said, one of the pioneers of doing this, jumping right up, getting yourself a major league contract. Um, and it's funny to look at A-Rod in $1.3 million in any kind of context right now and knowing what's coming. <laughs> but uh, that was big time money for an 18-year-old kid, right? I mean, that's... Certainly yeah. enough to get yourself motivated. And I love that it's a three-year deal. And by the end of it, he he had exploded, right? I love that. I love that the timing yeah, of the contract worked out with the stats. Yeah, most and most of that money was all signing bonus. I mean, he had a $1 million signing bonus in that. So his base salaries were, were low. 
Exactly. That's that's baseball in a nutshell right there. <laughs> that's baseball in a nutshell. Uh, what's funny, and we'll get to it here, that's not how his contract worked going forward. No, it the, didn't. Things got reversed. He took very little in signing bonus and a lot in salary, and we'll talk about why. But So after that, he stays in Seattle, signs an extension, $10.7 million over four years, and things start to get really, really good for A-Rod. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, all-star, yeah, all-stars, yeah. MVP, top yep. 10 MVP pretty much every year during this contract. Uh, you've got here that he batted 304 over the lifespan of this deal. It's just, uh, he's, a cons- he's a vet at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, this was, like you said, this is the the contract where things really exploded, and this is where it all led to him signing that massive third contract. Let's talk about it, because it didn't happen in Seattle. <laughs> No, it didn't. So Seattle, uh, you know, they had, they were at the the back end of this window. They knew it. Their their superstars were getting to a point where, you know, the the price of paying a player of A Rod's caliber just wasn't going to be worth what they were going to get on the field as a whole team. Uh, so Seattle was smart enough to move on, and obviously they had they they probably weren't coming close to what the number ended up being with Texas, who they had to be one of what a dozen teams that were in an A route at this point, you know, and yeah. even at this number, even at the price, which ended up being 10 years, $252 million. Um, even at that price tag, I bet there were a dozen teams in, uh, why he picked Texas. I couldn't find, I couldn't find a quote. I couldn't find an article. Um, it just seemed like that was the, the maybe the highest bidder. <laughs> and that's, you know, there was a comfortable, there's a comfort setting to it. Um, you know, it's an iconic franchise to some degree, but we all had the East Coast kind of laid out for A-Rod at this point, and it didn't happen. So I, I like I said, I couldn't put a, a, a an actual quote on, from A-Rod as to why he chose the Rangers. All I can assume is that the money was highest here, and anytime somebody, someone offers you 10 years and $252 million, you sign and, and move on. So so this is big contract number one. Uh, yeah, this was the... F- the first 200 plus million contract out of all the big four sports. Yeah. And the, first, the first one that it, it started it. And then to, to jump ahead, the fourth one, his for the, the fourth contract, that was the 10 for 257. That was the second. I was going to say it didn't plus. happen again, right? <laughs> it, it was, he did number one and number two of the 200 million plus contracts Crazy. to start it off. So it, it's interesting. Yeah, so there's no question that this was the big enchilada. This had to be the biggest news story going in 2001 in terms of finances. Um, didn't last too long. Texas didn't fall in love with him. <laughs> uh, you know, four years into this thing, he's a New York Yankee. So he had essentially three and a half years in Texas on this deal. Made pretty good coin. Uh, Texas had to eat a ton of this money, though. There's a... Uh, there's a lot of deferred money built into this. He ended up deferring 45 million of this of the 252 to be paid out between 2011 and 2020. He is still making money on this contract this season, and he'll get three percent interest on that deferred money as well. So, like I said, he uh, he didn't operate with big signing bonuses at all going forward because what he did is took big base salaries, split them off, and deferred a lot of that money to later dates. So he's, like I said, he's been getting paid to be a baseball player for a long, long time now, and that's going to continue through the 2020 season when his deferred payments do stop. So 
just a lot of uh, a lot of aptitude with how his finances were strung out throughout his career, and it started with this monster ten for two fifty two with Texas. Uh, he gets traded in 2004 to the Yankees for Alfonso Soriano and Joaquin Arias, uh, which just doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> but with the money involved, you can understand it. It's similar to what we just saw with Mookie Betts and David Price. Uh, you know, when you're throwing in a guy like David Price's contract, it's just going to reduce the amount of assets that you can bring back. That's just how life works. And at this point in time, A-Rod and the Rangers were not a good marriage. Uh, like I said, there was no, there were no championships. There were no even uh, sniffs of championships. This was a move to sort of clean house for Texas, get this as much off their payroll as they could, um, and they did take a chunk on. And but the Yankees took this over for three years. The deal included an opt out in 2007, which A Rod did ex- exercise. So he left 66 million on the table in 2007 to opt out of this thing knowing full well that the Yankees were going to bring him back. This was more of a restructure than it was an opt-out. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. That's just how this thing kept rolling. This was the brilliance of A-Rod. It's, it's in similar fashion to Darrell Rivas, which is what he kept doing every time he changed teams. Uh, he'd, bring a, he'd bring a current contract over in a trade. He'd restructure it to make, it, make himself happy in the, in the current year. He'd get out of that contract either and either re-sign our new one or he'd change teams again and make them sign him to a new deal. Uh, so it's just it's, it goes to the brilliance of how Scott Boris worked this early A-Rod situation to, to the max. And, and look, these contracts still hold up. You've got 10 for 252, and then, the, and then the re-sign in New York was 10 for 275. Scott, where do these contracts rank all time in baseball history? Yeah, the 252 is eighth all time. 275 is sixth all time. It's incredible. They're yeah. both top 10 contracts in baseball still. They were signed 19 years ago. No, that can't be right. Oh, my goodness. 19 years ago and 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're still top 10 all time in baseball. They are. So that yeah. says two things. Number one, these were incredible payments back in the day. And number two, it speaks to what I said before, which is baseball's changed financially. It's just flat out changed. Um, even Harper at 330 million over 13 years is somewhat efficient, right? Because he ended up, he, he went into that thing talking 500 million. Right. Right. So, I mean, and he was, you know, that's Scott Boris thinking of Alex Rodriguez in 2008 is what is, what that is. That's the agent who signed a rod in 2008 saying, okay, well, if a rod got 275 in 2008 and Bryce Harper has got to get 500 million in 2019, it just didn't happen. No, no takers on Bryce Harper at 500 million. So that's mm-hmm. the stretch of you know the last 12 years. That's what we've done. That's what front offices have done, and and what players are having to deal with. But good for a Rod, <laughs> it adds up to a lot of dollar signs at the end of the day. Yeah, similar fashion with the Yankees. Uh, deferred money. He's going to get five million of this contract this year alone. Uh, not to mention what he's getting paid from ESPN and, and Fox and all that good stuff. You know, all the other the entities, the, the second life of A-Rod, which is just as promising, even if not better for many of us to experience him at. Um, and then, of course, in the middle of this, 2014, which is actually more towards the end of it. It's about six years after signing this contract. The, uh, the biogenesis stuff comes out. A-Rod has his 60 Minutes moment. Um, all that stuff kind of comes together and baseball puts the hammer down on him. Uh, do you want to explain how this all works? The, uh, with the PEDs? Yeah, of course. 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he, uh, he's come out and said multiple times that he, he, he took his lickings. He came out, he did said, I, I, I did this and it, it's benefited him. Uh, he's been able to move on from it. It hasn't been a, a, a sore thumb, uh, for him. He's excelled after that. And he, I mean, he took a huge hit financially from it. Um, looks like he, he only had like 3 million in salary for that year because of the, uh, suspension. Yeah. Let's talk about this a little bit because the, uh, the math behind it is going to confuse some people that certainly did us for a while. If you remember this whole situation. Yeah, it did. Um, we had to do some serious reading on this guy, CBA wise, but here's how it works. His original suspension was 211 games. Uh, he fought that in court because he thought it was reckless to go over a year. He got it down to the 162. So baseball came back and said, all right, we'll suspend you for 162 games. And the language in that is very important. And it's what we originally missed when we were, when we were discussing it and, and accounting for the money lost here. He was supposed to make $25 million in 2014. So, you know, logically speaking on the surface, it sounds like he's going to lose $25 million if he's missing the entire season. Well, that's not how it works. And if you think about it, that's, it's, lo- it's illogical to think that way because players get paid for their off days. Okay, it's 183 days throughout the league year for, in 2014, right. and 162 of those days have to happen to be game days. So 21, 21 out of the 183 days, A-Rod is still paid for, which just so happens to turn into $2.8 million, <laughs> okay? And then you toss in the same kind of scenario with his signing bonus, which... He had a signing bonus that was essentially paid a little bit here, a little bit there throughout the, the length of the contract. He was set to make $10 million, uh, in terms of how it was allocated. He made $3 million of it. So he, he was paid $5.8 million cash in a season which he was suspended the entire year. So not, that's, not bad. that's not bad money if you can do it, to sit home and uh, watch baseball for a couple of, a couple of months. Um, so that's the, that's the thinking behind that. Yes, he was suspended. Yes, it was reduced. Yes, he was supposed to make $25 million. He did not lose $25 million. He lost about $19 million because for, for all intents and purposes, you're paid on your off days, and uh, he was still allowed to be able to do that. Um, so anybody looking at Track and being confused as to why he's got a cash payment in 2014, this is why. Uh, it's just not how it works. A season isn't a season. There's, there's game days and non-game days, and that's how suspensions are treated. So anytime a player is suspended... We're dividing by all league days and we're paid out. That. And, and by the way, this is why there's a big discussion about when uh, pitchers are suspended for throwing a ball at a head or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's not games suspended. It's days suspended. So you, you, expend a, you suspend a guy for four games and he's only pitching once every five days. What are you really suspending him for? Right. You know, you're making him sit home when he's already going to be sitting home. Okay. Um, so that, that's what we're talking about here. That, that's how the math works with the suspension. That's why A-Rod did make some cash in 2014. It just wasn't $25 million. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on the, the biogenesis stuff too much, but I think what you said is important. Uh, he didn't exactly come out in a blatant way and say, this is what I did, this is the process. To, uh, Scott, part of me wants him to do that still. Part of me wants him to expose everything. And I know he doesn't want to throw too many people under the bus because there's probably a lot of people involved here. It's not just him and a trainer, let's be honest. There's an entire company here where other athletes were going to. And, you know, the, the Mitchell report and everything kind of dove into that. 
and I understand him not wanting to, you know, include too many people into his own admissions or his own, his own apology, essentially. So I understand why he took a more sensitive, simple, specific approach, but it would benefit a lot of people if well, he went say, into detail about how, how and why and where and when and who and all that, because look, knowledge is power. And the more that he can be transparent with this, the better off we're all going to be as fans and followers of this game and, and, and dealing with this problem. Because for 10 years, all we had to do is sit back and deal with it. You know, we had to, we had to deal with the, the McGuire Sosa mess that was so much ingrained in my generation's fandom. I mean, it was such an incredible time to be a baseball fan and be playing baseball alongside of it. And, and then you had to go the next five years and just basically, you know, you know, put soap in your mouth. You know, you had, you had to just suck it up as, as a terrible situation because you understood the science behind it all and how much they were tainting the sport. But yeah, well, any, any additional thoughts it, on this? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at what he did, he came out and said what he did. And you look at Barry Bonds situation exactly. now and Barry Bonds still lingering. He has the right. Exactly. And if he would have just came out and said what he needed to say, this could have been all under water under the bridge. And A-Rod has done that. And look, he's ESPN analyst, Fox analyst. He's he he's made more than the 19 million that he lost. He's made that back no off, off the court off the field here. No question. So yeah, the only other thing that I, that I'll add outside of that is with his stats. I mean, I, I pulled in, uh, war is the big stat that everyone likes to compare players with. So because he had such a large year contract, um, I, I looked at his war over these contracts and sorry to transition from biogenesis to no no let's get off it um get back to the good stuff so that that third contract the 252 i I ran the war and compared him to any player that had five years of length or more his war across the that contract was a 56 it was the second highest total war out of those contracts albert pulhos was number one but he was at such a high level in that contract. And then he turned around and still had um, a 24 and a half in that last contract over the the career that he had or the. And that's what time missed. Which. And that, right. And that's what time missed. Right. And uh, out of, you know, the 10 year contracts for that fourth contract comparing, I mean, obviously. He was up there. I think he was number two, uh, number one for the 56, but then he was fourth for the 24 and a half out yeah. of 10 year contracts. In, in his high 30s. So you now, give him credit for that for sure. And and I know you have to take it with a grain of salt right now because Mike Trout and Harper and Machado, those 10 year plus contracts are still in the beginning of those contracts. So we'll see where he ends up. Um, but Based on war, he, he did really well with these extensions. I know we've always talked about, oh, te- you know, really long contracts and the deco- declining uh, production. But with the based on war, he did really well. Yeah, that's to say <laughs> the least. <laughs> that's an understatement. Um, yeah, he, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You, you can you can be on Baseball Reference all day. I'm looking at a Rod stuff, comparing and contrasting. Um, there was a stretch. I think. I think that that third contract there, that ten for two fifty two in Texas, 
really when when he moved to, to New York in 2004 in the middle of that contract I mean that's the stretch you want to look at that's the a rod you want to look at and I understand he didn't get to the finish line till 2009 the only time he got there uh, but that leading up from 2004 to 2009 that's the that's the where the war and and the the production mm-hmm. and every you know he was being rewarded for the bet and and quite frankly you have to you have to think this is where the PEDs came in as well because what what had happened at that point Scott was his his five tool production turned into five tools plus plus added power and when you right. had that and of course that's the PEDs you know kicking in a little bit here but when you had when you added an elite level of power to a guy who could bat 340 it's just no stopping that so mm-hmm. yes yeah. asterisks everywhere we're not we're not I'm not trying to downsize any of that um, but just if you're a stack guy and you're looking for a rod's sweet spot, it is 2005 to 2004 to 2009. That's that's peak a rod. And you're right; it's it's worth noting that even after that, you know, when he when he got into the teens, the 2013s, the 14s, and 15s, not the 14. He obviously set that one out, but um, he still held his own as a guy who was. Uh, mentally beaten at that point, right? He had just gone through this biogenesis mess. He was mm-hmm. 37-ish. Uh, you know, the Yankees weren't doing much at that point in time. And he was he was bad. He was admittedly bad there for a couple of stretches. But uh, kind of weird how it finished, too. Worth talking about a little bit here. They, You could just, I mean, I mean, the 2016 season was just, it was rough, and, you know, I'm living in New York here, so I watched a, a good deal of it, even though I'm a Mets fan. I, I, I venture over to the Yes Network every now and then, you know, if I have to, if, if the Mets are off or, you know, they're getting shellacked by the Nationals or something, I'll switch over to Yes Network and watch myself some Yankees. Of course, I wanted to see the uh, the finish line here for A-Rod. It, it was ugly. It, it was kind of like a curtain call. And they both, uh, both the Yankees and A-Rod agreed, all right, we got to end this thing in the middle of August. We're not, we're not going to make it to September uh, it's just not working out for us. So they kind of gave him a curtain call, pulled him off the field. He retired essentially in, in August of 2016. They gave him a, an advisory role because, you know, they still owed him $35 million. <laughs> so they basically said, yeah, you're going to, you're going to have a role in our, in our front office because we're not just going to pay you $35 million to do nothing. Um, even though he probably did nothing, uh, you know, it's semantics at best, but, um, yeah, he, he essentially had to retire in the middle of the year because just wasn't wasn't working out for either sides at that point in time. And second yeah. second life A Rod is pretty cool. That's it, that's, the, well, that's how I want to finish this. Well, he, there were teams that were trying to uh, uh, like I wasn't the Miami Marlins yeah. offering him absurd this? kind of money to try to get to the seven hundred home run mark yeah. and. Yeah, I, I thought so. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of pomp and, se- pomp and circumstance around it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's the overall numbers? Do you have them right there on A-Rod? Yeah, he was f- he's fourth all-time on the home run list. Um, he's 12th all-time on the war list. He ended up having a batting average of 295 with a slugging of 550. 696 home runs, by the way. Yep, six ninety six. Didn't get there. Nope. <laughs> um, so, just incredible. Yeah, bet at two ninety five. You, you know he would have loved to have seven hundred and a three hundred batting average. You, you know with the competitor that he is, that it's killing him. That he's got to look at those stats, and uh, you know, you know they don't live up to to the peak a rod by any by any means. But he probably played two two and a half years too many. 
and, and you know, hindsight 2020 on all this. And, and it really kind of took a dip in, in his production. He was certainly a stat hound at the end of his career. He was, yeah, you're right. It's, it's worth definitely bringing up the 700 because that last year and a half, that's what it was all about. It was about getting to that. Yeah, it was. And there were a couple of yep. teams who wanted to just cash in on the circus of that, right? The Yankees wanted nothing to do with it, if you remember. I mean, they, they didn't even want to throw him out there. But mm-hmm. it was important for marketability. If you, do you remember this? They wouldn't even talk about it, the 700. They, they were so no, ticked off. Yeah, they were so ticked off at the, the PED stuff and, and how they had the Yankees were dragged through all this that they wouldn't even market A-Rod. They weren't marketing the 700. ESPN was doing it every single day on SportsCenter, you know, the, <laughs> the 700 count. But the Yankees were, were radio silent on all this. And finally, uh, you know, like minds got together and said, all right, let's try to get to this thing. Um, and they started to talk about it a little bit more internally in, uh, on the Yankees networks. And then they just couldn't get there. They had to, they had to let him go. They had to, they had to finish this thing off before it was dead. Um, yeah. so a, a tough way to finish, but we've said it a couple times here. He has resurrected. He's he resurrected. Has. He's a media mogul, uh, you know, appearances on shark tank. He's got his own, uh, podcast, the, the corporate, yeah. he's interviewing brilliant, successful people and kind of understanding how the money works with them. So he's in our line of business to some degree, <laughs> uh, kind of breaking down careers of other people, not so much athletes, uh, but just he's generally interested in business and 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 the process of getting from A to Z uh, as an individual success story. He's doing a lot. And then, of course, he's still in baseball. He's on ESPN. He's on Fox. He's uh, he's breaking down games. Uh, he was he was Tony Romo before we had Tony Romo, to be honest. He was doing this kind of stuff on Sunday Night Baseball. He just I don't think he had the limelight. You know, he, he hasn't given the amount of freedom that Romo is on a football broadcast. So we, he's sort of tempered. I think that's going to change when baseball comes back. I believe they took Jessica Mendoza out of the booth. There's been some changes. I think they're going to unleash A-Rod and let him kind of flourish in this role even more because people who watch baseball regularly know that this guy gets it. Yes, he right. does. You can put the PEDs and all that into this conversation, and it's wrong not to. But he was a 5 tool athlete at 18 years old. And now he still thinks like a five-tool athlete. He just can't physically do it anymore. And he is he is commentating a game with those kind of eyes. Um, and it's it's pretty great to watch. So Second Life A-Rod is really cool, you know, not to mention J-Lo. Can't talk about this without J-Lo. I mean, yeah, exactly. he just seems like a happy guy, right? He's happy in his in his new life from a, uh, from a romantic standpoint, from a baseball standpoint. And like I said, from this whole business side of it, which you can clearly see, he had been keeping with all along. Uh, he was preparing life after baseball during baseball, and this whole kind of thing came together. It's not a bad, not bad to have four hundred fifty-five million dollars to work with when you want to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. But uh, that's a rod in a nutshell, right there. All right, Scott, plenty to unpack here, of course. Just general thoughts, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting to see him in the uh, post-baseball playing era. I mean, I, I've seen him on Shark Tank. He does really well with his questions. He knows what he's talking about. It's really interesting to see him in that limelight. Uh, the podcast, I've been listening to that for the last two years. He's had some great guests on there. One, uh, he had Kobe Bryant, which mm-hmm. was phenomenal. So uh, any, anyone that's listening to this, take a look at the, the, the court podcast. Uh, some, some really great interviews. He's had Gronk on there, Stephanie McMahon from WWE, Martha Stewart, <laughs> certainly polarizing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gary V, uh, Danica Patrick, just great, great questions. 
Um, you can tell he's gotten much more uh, comfortable as the seasons have gone on and the episodes have gone on. But he, he asked some great questions to these uh, entrepreneurs and athletes and um, I, I can't promote that podcast enough. I, I've learned a lot and it's just fun to listen to. Um, Let me ask you this, Scott, because it's kind of surrounds this. Uh, and try to keep recency bias out this and try to take your spot track hat off a little bit here. If you asked 100 people on the street, what do they remember A-Rod about? What, what, are, what is A-Rod most known for? Is it, is it the PEDs? Is it the $455 million? Is it being a Yankee? Is it um, probably being a Yankee? Probably J Lo, <laughs> and P- PEDs is probably in there. But I think being a Yankee is probably the number one thing that they would remember. I think if you asked a hundred people, PEDs would be seventy five percent. And I hate that, but I think that's yeah. just how we operate. The negative always dominates. Um, but it's interesting that, of course, that's a blip on his radar, and we talked about it. It has to do with the fact that he had his prime in 2004 through nine. Um, but there's a lot to unpack with A-Rod, and I think it's, it's kind of good to, to take 40 minutes here and really go through it all and talk about the stats. And, you, you know, you can keep the asterisk aside and just kind of have fun with it. But... I, Look, he's not paying back this money. <laughs> okay. No, he's not. All right. So he's going to sit on Spotrek at $455 million after this season. And there's really nothing we can do about that. And all we can kind of do is track these other players and see who gets close. That's really all we can do. Yeah. He made this money. He did. Uh, and I'll throw a question back to you. Do you think he's going to be an MLB owner? Yeah. And I hope he's my owner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of people talked, uh, a lot of people linked to an A-Rod Mets connection, uh, especially with the recent fallout of the, uh, of the deal they had this past year. He's interested. He wanted to play for the Mets went before he went to the Yankees. The, the Mets were very involved. He thought he was going to be a New York Met. Um, oh, I didn't know that. He did. He thought he was going to be a, a member of the Mets. And the Yankees came in at the last minute and blew away Boris. So it's uh, that, that's just how it's going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's, he's reviving his career, as you mentioned, with these with these appearances in the in the media. Of course, yeah. I think that's the finish line for him. His ownership is real ownership. He's got some stakes in, in Miami. He's certainly engrossed engrossed into Miami's culture, and he is. Uh, he's invested heavily down there. But the Mets are the Mets are available right now. It's no secret, and he's got plenty of ties to New York. It would be a way for him to ingratiate himself back to New York properly in my opinion, you know, it w- it's yeah. not directly with the Yankees. So it's, you know, it's that, it's that other, other part of New York that, that he can get involved with and he can do a lot of good. I think as a, as an owner of, of the Mets doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to be a Steinbrenner kind of figure, you know, I mean, Derek Jeter is <laughs> not doing that. Derek Jeter, he'll sit in front of a microphone every now and then and he'll talk baseball, but a lot more analytical, a lot more quiet approach to it. And I think that's what we've seen with A-Rod now in the second life is he's got a math and a business sense to him. And now he's got a media sense as well. So he'll know how to balance yeah. you know, the guts of the business versus the public relations. And I'm sure, and he's now meeting all these people <laughs> inside all these major networks and at, on the podcast, like you mentioned, 
that yeah, are say, going he, to be at his side when he makes these kind of big decisions. So I, I just think he's everything he's doing is sort of climbing the ladder to the the top run, which I think will be some kind of ownership. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's making himself really well-rounded between the real estate, the fitness and wellness, the, right. tech, the tech side. Building the sh- connections. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur side. He, he's hitting every facet that in the event that he is an owner, he's going to have connections in all of those areas. Yeah, so, but he's, if awesome. he goes to the Mets, it's, it's a death sentence. It's just how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone, any Mets fan knows. I mean, my God, the Mets aren't even playing and they lost their best pitcher to, to surgery. So what are we doing here? I mean, right. All right. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Good stuff on A-Rod. This is, uh, like I said, this is part one of, I think, maybe a 10-part series, at least to start. Maybe we'll do 10, 10, uh, 10 episodes this season and then bring it back, uh, you know, uh, the next lull, whenever that's going to be. But we'll, uh, we'll introduce our next athlete in the next couple of days. And like I said, we'll try to do this once a week. But this was uh, a good start and certainly the, the top dog to start with, $455 million earned for Alex Rodriguez. For Scott Allen, my thanks to The Athletic. I'm Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to the Spot Trek Podcast. <laughs>